thanks uh, John, thanks Andy for your warm welcome this morning. Uh, you're right, I do feel at home, very much so, with you. And uh, it's a joy to be with you this morning, it really is. And this is the time when, as the one who's speaking, I, I often think to myself, oh, I wish we could just carry on in worship. Why spoil it? You know, it's so good to be reminded of God's goodness, isn't it? You know, and to worship him and to remind ourselves of all that he's accomplished on our behalf. We have a good God. And it's a privilege to be together with the family of God this morning. It really is. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for all that you've uh, revealed to us this morning already, Lord, through the words of songs, through prayer, uh, through reading of your words, Lord. We just thank you. Even through each other, through our conversations, we thank you, Lord, that you've made yourself very evident in our midst. And Lord, now we come to look into your word and we thank you that your word is a light to our path, it's food to our souls. Lord, guide us and feed us this morning, we pray. Lord, we don't just want to have a, a good meeting, although it's great to have a good meeting. Uh, but Lord, we want to hear from you. And so, Lord, we just pray now that, uh, Lord, you'll speak to us. And, uh, Lord, you'll continue to speak to us and open your word to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts 15. Uh, I believe you've been following that through and, and I've, I really feel excited and privileged this morning because one of my favourite characters in the whole of Scripture, apart from the Lord, is Barnabas. I love Barnabas. When I get to glory, after I've, I've had a few thousand years with the Lord, uh, I mean, this is stupid because we don't know what glory is going to be like, but we're going to be there for eternity, so there'll be plenty of time. I, I, I intend to seek Barnabas out. I really do, because I love the guy dearly. Um, so I'm thrilled to have this passage. So thanks for that. Acts 15. <clears throat> Let's uh, just have a look at verses 36 to 41. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Another reason I love Barnabas is that he, he lived up to his name. He really did live up to his name. And I, I just want us to spend a little time just unpacking one or two thoughts about Barnabas this morning, if that's okay. Um, in Acts chapter 4, that's where we first meet Barnabas, but of course his name wasn't Barnabas. It was a name given to him by 
Christians within the church. It's a challenge, isn't it? I wonder what name the, the people here would give you. <laughs> I wonder if what people in my church would give me. Bar bother, son of bother. No, no, don't go there. Okay. But his real name was Joseph. Uh, as we can see there in verse 36 of Acts 4. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Son of encouragement. What a fantastic name. What a, a, a legacy. He's never called Joseph anywhere else but there. From now on, he's Barnabas because he lives up to that reputation. And Barnabas lived up to that by being generous in so many different ways. He was encouragement in action. He had a generous spirit, though, as well. He gave not just his field and money, but he gave time, I believe. He gave effort, I know that. And he's held up as an example of generosity, a real example of a generous spirit. Because if you read on into chapter 5 of Acts, we read the story of Ananias and Sapphira. So it's almost as if Luke is saying, well, here's Barnabas, and he sold a field, and he was generous. He gave, and he said what he was giving to the church, whereas here's Ananias and Sapphira. And as we know from that story, they were judged on the basis of their selfishness, their deception. But Barnabas had a generous spirit, and he was generous in so many ways. And the Bible commends generosity, folks. It really does. Can I just refer you to one or two verses? Psalm 112, verse 5. We read there. Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely who conducts his affairs with justice. Proverbs 22, verse 9. I love how scripture just backs up so many things. A generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. And if we come into the New Testament, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 18, we read there these words. Command those, verse 17, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to, be, to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Friends, generosity is, is very much a part of the Christian life. And we're called to be generous. Some of the most generous people I know are not necessarily rich people. We've talked about CAP and over the years we've grown to love and to receive CAP clients, not just as clients but as friends and as brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God. And I'm thinking right now of one of them who, when we go around and see them, we're invited in. They haven't got much. I can remember one occasion when we were offered a cup of tea with their last tea bag. 
they're the sorts of people that they are. But you always go and you feel welcome and they're pleased to see you and they're generous. You know, generosity is so, so important. Those who have, more is expected of, I believe, as well. So don't use that as a cop-out and say, well, you know, that's okay for them. I believe we should all be generous. Certainly Barnabas was. He had a generous spirit. Secondly, Barnabas was willing to take risks. Or was it that God actually showed him things that other people didn't see? I don't know about that. In Acts 9, verse 26 to 28, we read this. They were all afraid of Saul, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Do you remember the story? Uh, Saul had been persecuting the church. He'd gone to Damascus deliberately to round up the Christians and drag them back to Jerusalem for trial and possible death. And he had that amazing, amazing encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. Do you remember that? And, you know, he, got, he, he was wonderfully saved and Ananias... Uh, he was another risk taker. He, he obeyed the Lord and went and, and restored uh, Saul's sight. And eventually Saul came to Jerusalem and he tried to get in with the, the church. And of course they were suspicious. Who wouldn't be? You know, if Saul turned up at, at Killingworth, I think we'd probably shut the doors and keep him out because it, we'd see it as a trick. You know, let's not blame the Christians in Jerusalem. But what does Barnabas do? Well, look at it. He took him and brought him to the apostles. In fact, if we read on a little bit, uh, verse 27 and 28, I think, uh, we read this. Yeah, so Saul... No, where are we? Yeah, here we are, verse 27. Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. I mean, I'd not really noticed that before. Barnabas must have spent time with Saul listening to his story before presenting him to the disciples in Jerusalem. Do you see that? Because he knew all about the road to Damascus experience. He knew all about what had happened in Damascus. He knew all about how Saul had preached fearlessly in the name of the Lord. So he'd he'd listened to Saul. He'd given him time. And he believed him when others had no time for him. He was an encourager. Son of encouragement. In, in every sense of the word. I wonder, would the greatest New Testament missionary ever have got started if it were not for Barnabas? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure God would have made sure that that would have happened. But Barnabas had a key role to play in all of that. The next time we see Barnabas, he's described as a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and faith. 
At this point in Acts 11, um, Barnabas, uh, the, 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 the church in Jerusalem, the leaders in Jerusalem, they, they wanted to check out what was going on in Antioch. A new church established in Antioch, it was extremely successful. It was not in a Jewish area, it was in a Gentile area. Who shall we send to check it out? Who would be a good man, full of faith in the Holy Spirit? Barnabas. We'll send him. And so they did. Barnabas could have gone and said, well, actually, the way we do it in Jerusalem is like this. And that's what you should be doing. But he didn't do that at all. He didn't talk about circumcision or keeping the law or any of that. But Scripture says he saw the evidence of the grace of God and he was glad. He was glad. And he encouraged them in their faith. You know, a few years ago now, they say old men dream dreams. Well, Scripture says that, doesn't it? And I can remember, uh, long before the Lord spoke to us about buildings, I can remember having a very vivid dream of being in a large auditorium in Killingworth. And there were young people, and they were praising God. And I was sat there at the back, an old man. And I was, I can remember clearly muttering to myself, don't really like this. This isn't me, this isn't my thing, and all that sort of stuff. But actually then I looked up and I saw that, that these young people were praising God in their way, in their style. And I can remember my heart within me dancing. And I can remember being in tears as a result of that. You know... Sometimes we let style get in the way, don't we? I, we all like a particular style of worship. Some of us, because we've been walking the path a long time, like the style that we grew up with when we were younger. Brothers and sisters, style doesn't matter to God. It's the heart that matters. You know? And that's, that, that was Barnabas' heart. He wasn't bothered that they were different from Jerusalem. So what? He saw the grace of God and he was glad. He wasn't a grump who sat there and said, well, I don't like this. They're not doing this properly. We don't do it this way. None of that. Okay? And I love him for that. That he had an open heart. He had an open heart. Style didn't matter to Barnabas. Saw the grace of God and that was enough. That was enough. Next, Barnabas realised he couldn't do it all by himself. He wasn't a one-man ministry. Two heads are better than one. But he wasn't a one-man ministry. He thought to himself, who can help? And then he thought, Saul. Yeah, Saul. And in fact, if we look at uh, Acts 11, verse 25, we read there 
Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. I love that. This is why I get so excited about Barnabas. I'm sorry, but I, I really do. Barnabas didn't, he wasn't the sort of guy that said, well, you know, I've got to stay here because I'm responsible, I've been sent by the Jerusalem church, I've got to stay here, so if two of you guys go to Tarsus and get Saul, that would be great and bring him back here. No. Barnabas did it himself. He got on his bike, well, not quite, but if he had a bike, he'd have got on it, <laughs> and he went, he went to Tarsus. And he got Saul. And you know, he brought him out of the shadows, out of, almost out of exile for a second time, did Barnabas. And they spent 12 months teaching together in Antioch. Barnabas saw the need to have others alongside him, that he couldn't do it on his own. And we can't do it on our own. This is what I love about what I hear of what's, what's going on here. I'm sure it's not perfect because there's no such thing as a perfect church. Okay, if there was, I wouldn't be stood here. Okay? But the reality is that we can't do it on our own. We need one another. And that is so very, very important. Barnabas was willing to obey the Holy Spirit. Acts 13, verse 2. Don't worry, we're getting towards our text in a minute. <laughs> I'm not going on for too much longer. But in Acts 13, verse 2, what does it say there? Yeah. The Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. This was in the church at Antioch. Note the order of the list in chapter 13, verse 1. Barnabas is first on the list, and Saul is last on the list. That is significant scripturally. Okay? It is significant. Barnabas was still considered to be a very important figure in the early church. And they responded to the Holy Spirit. I was thinking about this because today, of course, is the day when many churches will be remembering Pentecost. Yeah? Okay? The coming of the Holy Spirit. And uh, Barnabas and Paul and Saul, yeah, they were, had hands laid on them, they fasted, they prayed, and then they were sent off. And then in verse 5, we read this. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. Now, here again we see Barnabas the encourager. He's taken his cousin. Some, some, some versions say cousin, others say nephew. Doesn't matter really. But he's taken this younger man under his wing as his bag carrier, okay, to go with him and Saul on this missionary journey. We don't know what's happened exactly, but if we go on a few verses in verse 13, we read there, from Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, 
where John left them to return to Jerusalem. We don't know why John Mark left them. Maybe he was fearful. Maybe the opposition that Saul, now known as Paul and Barnabas, were getting, he wasn't really geared up for. We don't know. Maybe he was just homesick. We don't know exactly why. But he returned home. Maybe he was afraid. Another thing I like about Barnabas, as we come towards just the, the final main point, he was willing to promote Paul at his own expense. He was a man of humility and submission. If we read scripture, we find that in the early parts of the story of Barnabas and Saul, it's Barnabas and Saul, and then it ch- Saul's name is changed to Paul. And then it becomes Paul and Barnabas. And Barnabas seems, from what we read, to be happy with that. He's not looking to take the first place. He's not looking to be the main leader. He's just looking to encourage Paul in his ministry, again, living up to his name. Maybe he recognised Paul's preaching and teaching ability and saw how God was, was using him, so he took a step back. I don't know, maybe he did that. And if he did, bless him for doing that. And then we return to today's passage in Acts 15. And as I say, don't worry, I'm not going on at this point. That wasn't an introduction. Honestly. Okay. You see, Barnabas, always the encourager, wanted to give John Mark a second chance. And I'm so glad that our God is a God of second chances. Because I know that if I'd blown it, well, I know that I have blown it many times. And God is a God of the second chance, the third chance, and the 54th chance. He really is. And Barnabas saw that, and Barnabas knew that. Barnabas saw something in John Mark that he wanted to nurture. He wasn't going to be manipulated by Paul. I love the way Luke writes this. He doesn't sort of gloss it over or make it all very nice, like we perhaps attempted to do. You know, what's your church like? Wonderful! No, Luke doesn't do that. Look what what Luke writes there in Acts 15. Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, with them, but Paul didn't think it wise to take him because he deserted them. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Yeah? Luke is quite honest there, that they, they split. You see, for Paul, the mission was too important to carry a lame duck or to carry a passenger. Far too important. Paul was task-driven. He was driven by the gospel, by the message and all of that. We need people like that in the church. We do. But we also need Barnabases as well. Because Barnabas said, 
No, Paul, I'm not leaving John Mark. I'm not dumping him. I'm not giving up on him. I've seen that God has placed something in this young man's life that I want to nurture. I want to mentor him. I'm not letting him go. And you can pull the ankle, do whatever you like, but it isn't going to work. I'm so pleased about that. You see, we need both types of people. I've already said my role in, in Killingworth generally is recognised as being pastoral. Pastoral people, and I speak of myself here, not of anybody else, pastoral people can be incredibly boring and incredibly conservative with a little C. Okay? We need task people alongside us to say, move. Do stuff. Yeah? Because we will be forever messing around with people. But you need both. You need both. And Barnabas wasn't willing to give up on John Mark. He wanted to encourage this young man in his Christian life. You know, the amazing thing is, I started off by saying, multiplication by division. God used this to enable there to be two sets of missionary journeys. Paul and Silas went off, and of course, Luke follows them in Acts. And Barnabas and John Mark went back to Cyprus. And they continued their ministry. We don't know a great deal about that. I wonder what happened. I, I, was this the same Mark who wrote Mark's Gospel? We don't know. I mean, some, some scholars say yes, some scholars say no. But if it was, I wonder if Barnabas encouraged him to do that. I wonder if Barnabas encouraged him to do that as well. I don't know. You know, we hear nothing of Barnabas after, after this, except one reference in 1 Corinthians, when Paul uh, talks about the support of apostles and about his support and Barnabas' support. But that's it. We hear nothing, really, of Barnabas. But Paul eventually recognised the value of John Mark. We know that because many years later we read this. To Timothy. Paul writes, get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I can just imagine Paul saying to Mark, Mark, I'm so sorry I dumped you years ago. You know, I treated you the way that I did. But later on, Paul recognised the value of Mark. In one of his other letters, Philemon, it's only one chapter long, that's why it's only got verse 24 there. But Paul writes, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark. And then he gives a list of other names. In other words, Mark and Paul were reconciled. This younger man was a help to Paul later on, especially when he was a prisoner. And I think that's largely down to Barnabas and Barnabas' input. You know, 
I thank God for those people, many of whom are in glory now, who saw me as a young man and took a risk with me and took me under their arm, under their wing, as it were. You know, took me when they went away preaching and, and let me read scripture for them and listen. Took me on open airs, things like that. And that's what we should be doing, encouraging one another. Encouraging one another. I also love the fact that Peter gets involved. Now, if, if John Mark did write Mark's Gospel, well, we know that Mark's Gospel, much of it was uh, from Peter, from the Apostle Peter. But in 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 13, we read this. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings. And so does my son, Mark. Now, if that was the same Mark, and most believe it was, you know, isn't that wonderful that Peter calls him my son? So this morning, in conclusion, can I just finish by challenging you with three things? Are you an encourager or a discourager? We all moan at times. We all whinge. I do. I have to be corrected many times for moaning. But, you know, it's good to encourage, isn't it? And I think we can learn a great deal from Barnabas, a son of encouragement. Are you an encourager this morning? Are you a giver or a taker? I believe Barnabas was a giver. Okay? Not just giving his field and the money from his field, but he was willing to give his life, basically, for the gospel. He was willing to fall out with one of the greats of the New Testament over a young man. He was a giver. It wasn't all about him. And you know, sometimes, even as Christians... We can focus so much on ourselves that we forget others. I love the story of William Booth. You've probably heard it. When he was getting elderly and he was ill and the Salvation Army was struggling financially and the, 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 the members wanted him to attend the National Congress and he was just too ill to attend. And they said, send us a message. And he sent them one word. And that one word was others. That was the one word, others. You know, we live in a world that is very self-centered and self-orientated. What can I get out of it? We saw that on the, the video earlier, the DVD, yeah? And we're called to be givers, to be sharers, not to just be takers. Do you focus on, in on others or is it all about you? And finally, do you look for God moving and working in all circumstances, even the most difficult ones? I want to just finish with a quote from Corrie ten Boom's famous book, The Hiding Place. Some of you again will know this and have read this. I'll be familiar with you, for, for you. 
Corrie ten Boom tells an amazing story along these lines in her book The Hiding Place. She and her sister Betsy had been imprisoned by the Nazis for harbouring Jews in their home. The prison camp that they were in was apparently riddled with fleas. The conditions were absolutely horrific and beyond imagination. However, during a time of prayer that Corrie once had with Betsy, she heard her pray, Lord, thank you for the fleas. Corrie couldn't go on in their prayer time without stopping her sister and asking why she prayed along those lines, to which Betsy lovingly explained from her heart, Corrie, don't you see? The Lord provided the fleas. That way the gods will not bother us in our barracks so we can pray and worship freely. In other words, Betsy had Barnabas' eyes to see the positive side of a difficult circumstance. Yeah? Let's pray for Barnabas' eyes this morning and let's just remember that Barnabas, we can learn so much from him. And, you know, I was just, I was going to say something silly then. I was going to say, you know, if, don't get in the queue ahead of me for Barnabas. I really do want to have a chat with this guy. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just joking there. But we can learn so much from him. Are you a Barnabas? Is that your heart? This morning, I pray so and I hope so. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for um, the individuals, Lord, who you've used in those very early days to spread your word, to, uh, Lord, spread the kingdom. We thank you for what we can learn from them. And, Lord, we thank you for the son of encouragement. My prayer this morning is that we might be sons and daughters of encouragement that we might be people who get alongside other people. And despite the faults and the, the problems that each of us might have, we might encourage one another to serve you in greater measure. We might see the potential that you've placed in individuals, in each one of us, the gifts that you've given that, Lord, just need that encouragement in these days. And, Lord, when we face difficult circumstances, may we have Barnabas eyes. May we see your hand guiding and leading. So, Lord, thank you. And, Lord, may we, Lord, just go out into this week, Lord, expecting you, to move in our lives, expecting you to give us opportunities to live out our lives for you, whether it be word, in attitude, or in deed. And Lord, may we always be willing to be positive, to be concerned about the needs of others, and not just about our own needs. So Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us, Lord, we pray that you would use us for your glory's sake. Amen.